comment on that and just go on. Start the sermons. Okay, thank you. In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for reminding us that it's worship and not performance once again. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. It's hard to imagine praying that kind of prayer, or at least it should be. But if you're anything like me, from time to time, it's not so hard imagining thinking those kinds of thoughts, comparing and contrasting ourselves to others, trying to justify ourselves and our behavior. And this is exactly why Jesus wants to expose this kind of attitude in today's parable found in a Pharisee who fancied himself as faithful to God's law, keeping every jot and tittle, at least in his own mind, and what is more, seeming to have no problem reminding God of his prideful, self-righteous state of mind. That's exactly the problem with self Righteousness, isn't it? In fact, there are two problems with self righteousness. One problem is this an attitude of self righteousness quickly leads to a hatred of other people. Tax collectors, then and now, hardly needed a reason to be hated. I think we would all agree with that. Then again, it doesn't appear as though our friend the Pharisee had done a lot of deep thinking about it. What if the tables were turned? What if he were born into that family? What if that was his lot in life? What if he were the hated tax collector? What then? What then? The other problem with self-righteousness is this. The very fact that the Pharisee was trying to justify himself before God tells us that in his heart of hearts, he already knew that something is wrong. If you and I are in good standing with one another, we don't have to go around reminding one another that our relationship is in good shape. It's only when we know something is wrong that we deal with those kinds of concerns. And it's like that with God. We hardly need to boast about the good deeds that we've done before God. The question is always, how do we deal with the bad things that we do? Do we try, like the Pharisee, to throw God a curveball? hoping that if we tell him about all of the good things, he'll just ignore the bad ones? Or will we come to him with humility and ask him to have mercy on us and to forgive us? The tax collector, as I said, he was already an object of scorn. 
doubtless he was very well aware of the collective communal hatred that was heaped upon him just because of what he did. But the powerful part of the parable is that he was also aware of himself in the sight of God. Unlike the Pharisee, he doesn't compare himself to others when he stands before God, but neither does he throw a pity party because of his position in life. Instead, listen again to the picture that Jesus paints of this tax collector. Standing far off in the temple, Jesus says, the tax collector would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and he prayed this simple prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, can we imagine ourselves praying that kind of prayer? We can if we're willing to be honest with ourselves, We can if we're willing to be honest before God. And here's the deal. I think you know this. God already knows our heart. We cannot hide our sins from God. He already knows them. Think Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He didn't wonder what they had done. He just kept came looking for them because he loved them. And I suspect if we're honest... We know that we know our sins too, and we know that we can't hide them ultimately from God. So if we think about God for just a minute, he he actually has three options concerning human sin. These are the things that God could do concerning our sin. First, he could simply ignore them. He could pretend like they don't exist, and then we would ask ourselves the question, is he a just God? The answer is obviously no. If he simply overlooked human sin, he would not be a God of justice. On the other hand, if justice were the only thing that God cared about, I think we know this too, we would all be in a great big heap of trouble. Because none of us is perfect, as Paul says, no one is righteous, no, not one. But the third option that God has and the one that he chooses is mercy. And it's not as though God chooses mercy as if it were some mechanical act of his will, as if showing mercy was somehow a matter of God pushing one of three buttons. I want us to hear this clearly. God's mercy is born of his compassion. And God's compassion is born of his love, his love for you his love for me, his love for everyone. You see, God wants us to be right with him. This is the good news. God wants us to be reconciled to him, to be restored to him, to be reunited with him. In fact, the Bible says this. Here's the thing that I landed on this week that's so awesome. Take this line home. God delights in showing mercy. It's what the scripture says. God delights in showing mercy. It also says that he rejoices over one sinner who repents. 
So here's Jesus making the path to God plain to us. He doesn't hide it from us. He doesn't throw us a curveball. He paves the way plainly telling us that the tax collector went home what? Justified. Isn't that good news? Wouldn't you and I love to go home this morning knowing that we're justified in the sight of God? Yes, Father Chris. I would love to know that. Well, now you know. The road home to God comes through confession and repentance. If there's something, in other words, that you've been hiding from God because you're afraid of what he might do, hear again the good news. God what? Delights. God delights. He delights to show you mercy. Why? Because he loves you. Who does God delight to show mercy? Yeah, me, you, right? I want to get that into our head so that we can get it into our heart. God delights to show you mercy. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole. As the Bible also says, God is for us, not against us. And all we have to do is confess it. Give it to him. Get it off of our chest. Get it out of our hearts and give it to him because he what? Delights to show us mercy. So as we continue to talk about stewardship this month, Today, we're taking up the topic of being stewards of mercy. Mercy is simply exercising the will to pardon someone who deserves to be punished. That's what mercy is. Exercising the will to pardon someone who deserves to be punished. And because mercy is the divine gift that God gives to us, pardoning us when we deserve to be punished, it stands to reason that mercy is the gift God also wants us to give each other. So with that in mind, let me take us back to the picture of the Pharisee that Jesus painted. Because the bottom line is this. None of us controls when we were born. None of us controls where we were born, to whom we were born, or even that we were born at all. These are some of the many blessings that Father Charles talked about last week. But get this, change a few variables and we could be that person born into those circumstances, living their life. And the point, my friends, is simply that we're all in it together. We're all in it together and we're all made in the image of God. And so the question now is simply how do we respond? When we are tempted to act like the Pharisee, and we all are, here's a little help. I'll leave us something with something that we'll call mercy in action this morning. And it comes in the form of a story that my mom told me. Some of you have heard this story before, but good stories are worth repeating because they're worth remembering. My mom, as you know, teaches middle school children, which in and of itself is a ministry of mercy, let's be honest. (laughs) 
I asked her one time how she deals with all the different kids who come through her door. How, how do you deal with them? They come from different backgrounds, different places, different stations, especially when they say mean things to, can you imagine somebody saying something mean to my mom? especially when they say mean things to her or do mean things to her. How do you handle that? And what I learned, my friends, is that she prepares herself before she goes into battle. What does she do? She told me that as each child walks through the door, she imagines that she takes a cross necklace and she puts it around each one of their necks. She takes a cross necklace and she puts it around each one of their necks. Why? To remind herself that Jesus died for each one of them just as Jesus died for her, died for you, died for me. Why? Because he loves us and what? He delights to show us mercy. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the ones who humble themselves before God will be exalted. And these are the ones who will go home to their heavenly father justified.